to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day. Hello and welcome to the Buds All Day podcast. I'm Sats Mundine here with Lebda's Legacy. How's it going, everyone? And after a bit of another extended break, the boys are back in town today. And um, we've got a, a bit of an interesting topic today. And we know there's been not a whole lot going on in Leafland these days. So we thought we would take a look at the division. This vaunted, dreaded division that everybody says the Leafs simply cannot compete in this year. You know, the division that's supposed to be so, so much better than the North Division. So we're going to really go through it, take a look at some of the stronger teams and see how they really stack up, what kind of moves they made in the offseason and whether they're better and worse. So, uh, Lebda, which team do you think we should uh, get started with today? Well, I guess we should probably, you know, start from the top and work our way down. Teams that we definitely think are going to give the Leafs the most kind of, I don't know, competition or run for their money for a playoff spot. So uh, who better to start with than the four or reigning Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah, it was a tough choice between them and Buffalo, but I think you did make the right choice. So, yeah, if we just look at the the Tampa Bay Lightning, what what more can you say, Lebda? They are an elite, elite team. Last year, they finished with 75 points in 56 games. That was without their superstar, Nikita Kucherov. But they are a very different team from last year. They, they've lost arguably one of their biggest strengths in that vaunted third line with uh, with Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and Barkley Goodrow. So there's definitely a little bit of room for debate as to whether they can be as good as last year. So how, how are you thinking they're going to be this year? I mean, like, it's never really happened that a team's won three cups in a row. They've already won two, which is hard enough. In this salary cap league with how, you know, the way the way it's all structured, I guess I should say, um, it's really really tough to keep competing. Especially, you know, if you win a Stanley Cup, guys are going to demand big contracts because they've come up, played in big games and stuff like that. And I think you you saw that with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, they knew they were going to lose these guys, um, but yeah, they were definitely the best third line in hockey, and that's what made the Tampa Bay Lightning so so dangerous. Is that third line could match up against other teams' first lines, second lines take hard minutes away and then all of a sudden their top two lines who have elite scoring talent on it then they get some you know some cushier matchups and they can feast so yeah like that subtraction is huge now is it big enough for me to say the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't going to be one of the elite teams in this division no but I think we could definitely see the Tampa Bay Lightning um, take a little bit slide down uh, quality wise as compared to the last couple years now I mean, they could be even better, like who knows, but you really could see that, you know, that their, their depth has definitely taken a big hit. And I think the biggest question mark for me is their uh, backup goaltending. Like if anything happens to Vasilevsky next year, I think they're in for some, uh, some real, real trouble in their uh, backup position. Yeah. Last year they had uh, Curtis McElhaney fan favorite in Toronto. He wasn't so good. He, he posted an 875 save percentage. So they can't go down very far, but you make the point. It, it's more more so if Vasilevsky gets hurt because they replaced him with Brian Elliott, who last year in 30 games, 889 save percentage. Two years ago, 899. So he is as unreliable as a post-groin injury Frederick Anderson, probably even worse, which is, is saying a lot. So, 
Yeah, that's a major, major risk for them. Now, you look at them last year, without Kucherov in the lineup, they were still ninth in expected goals, ninth in Corsi 4, 11th in high danger chances. So they were still an elite team. But you had guys like Blake Coleman, uh, Barkley Goodrow, and Yanni Gord, who were, like you said, they were basically a second line pl- playing as a third line for them last year. So like Yanni Gord, fourth on the team in scoring. Blake Coleman, sixth on the team in scoring. And then you got Barkley Goodrow, who, who provided 20 points in 55 games. So that is going to be a critical loss for this team. And if you look at their depth chart, like, sure, they have that elite first line with Palat, Braden Point, and Kucherov. And Point and Kucherov, what more can you say about those guys? They they showed up all playoffs. They're, they've been amazing. So you know that's an elite-level first line. But you look at the second line, you got Kalorn. Very good player again, Steven Stamkos. But then that other slot is really kind of wide open. It's They got Alex Barboulet, Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph. Pat, like It's kind of up in the air who's going to be filling that spot. And you want to speak about injuries to Vasilevsky. Another guy who's gotten injured a lot in the past is Steven Stamkos. And they don't have the depth to, to accommodate missing a, a superstar like they did last year. Yeah, no, and I mean, Steven Samkos is always an injury risk. Also, he's getting older and he has had a lot of injuries. So who knows if he, um, like he could really, really slow down. I mean, there's lots of players you can say, say that about. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but that does happen for them. I could see the, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning almost struggling with their depth scoring at times. And, you know, that was one of the biggest strengths of their teams. That's what made their team so dangerous. And also we got to factor in like Victor Hedman was not really Victor Hedman of, um, or Norris caliber Victor Hedman last year. So is he going to, you know, maybe have a back bounce back season and, and improve upon that or, you know, have maybe some injury, some age, whatever it may be with him caught up to him. And this is the new kind of quality of Victor Hedman that we're facing. So again, it, it's kind of like what, what people say with the Leafs. Like there's, you know, lots of very positive things, but there's also quite a few question marks on this Tampa Bay team for me. So am I still going to slot them top of this division? Probably. But I don't think they're going to be, you know, as kind of deep and as dangerous as they have been in the last couple of years. Yeah, and you say he hasn't been Norris caliber headman. Let's be clear. He technically was nominated for the Norris, but we all know that voting is just based on which defensemen get the most points. And he had a lot of points last year. So he still got the nomination. But yeah, if you look at him via his, uh, his RAPM stats, he was in the 86th percentile, which is still obviously a very, very good defenseman. But in the past, he was in the 95th, 96th, 97th, just that very, very elite tier. So, yeah, if he takes a step back or if he even kind of maintains that form, they could they could be in for some trouble. So I don't think they're as sure of a slam dunk as everybody thinks to finish first in this division. They would still, like you said, be my pick. And according to Jay Fresh's advanced uh, tabulation system for his projections for this year, he does have them finishing first in the division with 110 points. Uh, and second in the division, they do have the Toronto Maple Leafs at 106. So depending on injuries and just, you know, the age curves of guys, whether they're guys like Stamkos, Hedman, and them kind of age out, or whether our guys like Muzzin, Brody, Tavares, to kind of see how they age as well. So it's going to come, it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Now, moving on to the team that at least I would classify as the second biggest threat in this division, that's the Florida Panthers. Now, they actually had the most points of any of the teams that are moving into our division this year. And that's with 79. They were two points ahead of the Leafs. And they were kind of an out-of-nowhere team last year. 
Yeah, th- this is the biggest question mark for me. Was the was last year's Florida Panthers like they had some guys, um, Carter Verhage, Anthony Duclair, some other guys that were playing, you know, kind of above and beyond what we've seen from them in the past. So those are the biggest question marks with the Florida Panthers. If those guys perform up to how they did last year, I I honestly think this team could potentially win the division. Um, but again, it, it's like the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, I mean, we could say this about any hockey team. But I think this division really kind of highlights what we're, you know, what the salary cap era NHL is right now in being like, there's lots of teams that like are really good, really good in the past. And then they just have these kind of like glaring holes in them where you're like, that could completely ruin a team or it could be a non-factor and they'll just coast to the top and finish in one of the top kind of playoff spots. And for me with the Florida Panthers, that is the losing of uh, Chris Drieger. Yeah, that's a massive, massive loss for them. He he was by far their best goalie last year with a 927 save percentage Well, when he took a good share of the starts. So this year they're going to be relying on Sergei Bobrovsky, who we've all, you know, we, we're all aware of his rapid decline since he signed in Florida. And he had a 906 last year. And the year before that, I think he was in the 800. So he is completely unreliable for them. And then their other goalie is Spencer Knight, who, while a very good prospect, you cannot count on a rookie goalie. We all know that goalies are voodoo. And rookie goalies, you just take that and you multiply it by 100. Look at Carter Hart. He comes in on fire in his first year with the Flyers and then completely falls off a cliff. Spencer Knight hasn't even proven it in the NHL yet. So, they're, they're going with two huge, huge question marks in net. And I know a lot of people like to kind of rag on the lease and say, oh, you don't know what Campbell and Mrazek can do. They, they both haven't proven it long-term as starters. And then they go on to tell you how they're not going to be able to finish ahead of Florida. But <laughs> I think I'm probably taking the Leafs goalie situation over Florida's for this season. Oh, 100%. And that's like one of the points I wanted to make about this Leafs team is people, all the question marks about this Leafs team, um, you know, their left wing depth, their, their, question mark and goal which i don't think is really a question mark and their their defense which is quote unquote bad even though it was very very good last year you can like assign those questions to you know whether it's just one or even multiple of those same kind of yeah question marks around these teams on a florida panthers on a tampa bay lightning we'll get to the boston bruins like all these teams have very similar question marks so you know i think all this like leafs talk about how all oh, their left left wing depth is gonna mean they're not gonna make the playoffs oh they're goaltending because they lost fred anderson who was absolute dog shit last year aren't gonna make the playoffs because of that like look at who florida has rocking the net you said it best i'd rather have the leafs goaltending than florida's right now like way less of a question mark for me and then same with the tampa bay lightning like look at their kind of right wing depth it's as bad if not worse than our left wing depth so i i I, like again i think uh one of the leafs ever really struggled in a regular season since you know the austin matthews era like that's not their problem their problem is making it past the first round so with all these question marks like leading to people with the conclusion that the leafs aren't going to make the playoffs Look at the rest of the division, do a deep dive, look at the depth chart, listen to this podcast, and I think it should put some of that to bed. Like Every NHL hockey team, because of the salary cap, will have a hole somewhere. It's just the way things work out, and I think we're really seeing that again with, you know, the, the this division highlights that. 
Yeah, especially you're going to have holes at the start of the season when you don't have those kind of salary cap finagling trade deadline moves. Like you look at Tampa, obviously they were able to have basically a whole free lineup last year because they were 18 million over the cap by the time the playoffs started. But right now, when teams are kind of playing the cap fairly, you, you said it best. It's really hard to have a team without holes. So if you look at Florida's top six, they got Verhage, Barkov, Reinhardt as a first line. That's a really solid first line. Like Barkov is an elite talent. Reinhardt, he was amazing for Buffalo. He's a big addition for them. Um, but for Hagee, he had he's had one really good year. Do we know if he's going to be able to keep it up? We really don't. And then you got another elite winger in Jonathan Huberto. Very good player. You know exactly what he's going to bring. But then the other two guys who could potentially be on that second line with him are Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair. Sam Bennett, I know he had 15 points in 15 games down the stretch for Florida, but for the better part of the last four years in Calgary, he's been a pretty shitty fourth liner. So to count on him as a, as a reliable second liner for your team, that's a huge risk. And then same kind of goes for Anthony Duclair. I know he's had some good seasons of scoring, but he's he's not a guy who's really proven it consistently over a long term. So we we talk about the least question mark. We we know that we have four reliable guys in Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. Those are the guys that are going to be locked into our top six by the start of the playoffs. Florida kind of has a similar situation with Huberto, Barkov, Reinhardt, and you're probably throwing Verhage in there, but there's a lot of room for guys to fall off on the rest of that depth chart offensively. Oh, absolutely. Like I still looking at things. I think the Leafs top stick six is still the best in this division, at least in the regular season. As soon as playoff time comes and, you know, Braden Point and Kucherov have figured out how to actually show up. It's not even a question or yeah, it's not even a, a question, but like looking at this, like I'm not training Florida's top six. I'm not training Tampa Bay's top six for the, for this Leafs top six. And, you know, as mad as I am at Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, they still like had a hundred point seasons last year for the most part, right? Like they're still so, so good at hockey and they're young enough to where you could genuinely see them take another leap this year. And who knows, maybe they don't, maybe they do, but they definitely can. And, and stacked up against the rest of those teams in this division. Like, I don't know, man, like I'm not trading them for, for any of these teams. And, and even looking at Florida's depth, like they have some really nice young players coming in, Owen Tippett, Anton Lundell. But rookies are rookies. Like, you never know. We could have Nick Robertson come in and score 30 goals. They could have Owen Tippett score 30 goals this year. Like, again, it's all question marks and it's all, you know, hypotheticals at this point. But again, like, so much talk on Twitter since, you know, kind of the playoff loss has been the Leafs. Welcome to the big boy division. You're facing the big boys. And now sitting here comparing the big boys, like, like, is this division better than the one we played in last year? Absolutely. But I still don't think we, you know, or I still think we stack up to these big boys better than a lot of people are giving the Leafs credit for. Yeah, and you look at you look at the division that that Florida and Tampa were playing in last year. I mean, you had the Blue Jackets, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, the Stars. Like those are four garbage teams. Nashville made the playoffs in their division, so I know I acknowledge that the Leafs division this year is undoubtedly better because you're taking the best of a group of teams from a few different divisions. But it's not like Florida was beating up on Colorado and Vegas every night either. Like, like each division ha- is going to have some shitty teams. I think the North Division just had, outside of the Leafs, a lot more teams in that meaty middle, like o- the Oilers, the Jets, the Habs, to a lesser extent, even the Flames, who were kind of like mediocre. But 
they they just lack that second team to really push them. And I think that's what they're going to have this year is more of that. But then again, you're also throwing in, you still have Ottawa in your division, and then you're throwing in the worst team possibly ever in Buffalo and the Detroit Red Wings. So it might be a battle for positioning from one to four, but I think the Leafs can pretty safely make the playoffs in this division. And if we move, look at Florida on on the back end too, you speak of question marks like Uyghur and Ekblad, that was a very, very good first pair. But Aaron Ekblad coming off a major, major knee injury, we don't know how how he's going to come back from that. And then their second pair is Marcus Nudivara and Brandon Montour, two guys who graded out absolutely horrendously uh, via wins above replacement by by evolving hockey. And then their fourth pair, you got Gustav Forsling and Radko Gouda. So I would take... I would handily take the least defense core over, over that as well, because you pretty much know what you're getting from the Riley Brody pairing. You know what you're getting from Muzzin and Hall. They've been doing it for a couple of years. And then we have, sure we lost Bogosian, but Sandine showed that he can be a good player for most of the regular season. You got Travis Dermott, who's been a good third pairing defenseman since the stone age. And then you still have guys like Timothy Lilligren who could come in. So for as many question marks as the Leafs have, I think Florida has, that about tenfold in every position. Exactly. And and that's the point that I think we're trying to make here is that yes, the Leafs have question marks, but this is a salary cap era NHL. Look at all these teams, every team that they're facing, all these teams that are just going to stomp us. We're in the big boy division. Now we have no shot. Like we just coasted last year and couldn't even get it done. Like these teams also have question marks. These teams also faced bad teams last year. It's just as much of a toss up for them as it is a toss up for us right now. Absolutely. And the and the numbers from Jay Fresh bear that out. Like I said, Tampa was projected first, 110 points. Toronto second, 106 points. Florida's projected third, 100 points. So they're they're projected they're projected to be further behind the Leafs than the Leafs are to be behind Tampa. Now moving on to that fourth place team in that projection, we have the Boston Bruins, who are projected one point behind Florida with 99. And you want to get into question marks, they sure have some. They they've had a huge, huge loss in the 2C slot with David Krejci, who was excellent for them last year. They also lost Nick Ritchie. Hopefully he has a great year, makes them makes them look stupid for losing them. And then they lost both of their goalies in Rask and Halak as well. Now, they did make some additions. They got Linus Allmark, who you and I have been outspoken on, saying we really liked him in Buffalo. He's consistently been, you know, between 915, 920 save percentage. They added Felino, who you also know our opinion on, not very high. <laughs> then they added Eric Halla, Thomas Nosek, and then they made the big face-punching addition of Derek Forbert on the back end. So, Lebda, where do you want to start with the Bruins? Uh, yeah, I, I guess in goal is the best place to start. Um, yeah, anyone who's listened to this podcast in the past, at least before the trade deadline, knows how much we love Linus Allmark. I expect him to be very good for the Bruins. Now, you said they lost to Karask, and I think technically they still did. But I believe there is rumors floating around. And I think even Tuka Rass said in an interview he'd come back and be a cheap goalie for them. So in my mind, we can almost pencil that up. So their goaltending is still definitely going to be solid. Um, but I, yeah, the biggest loss is that 2C position. Like David Krejci, been a very, very good 2, 2C for them for a long time. And replacing him with Charlie Coyle, like I'd almost be as bold to say as Charlie Coyle might be the worst second line center in the league. I don't, I don't even know if that's a bold statement, if, especially if you're talking about teams that actually have an intention of winning more than four games. Like I'm sure Buffalo and Detroit have worse second line centers. 
actually. I don't know. Detroit man. sign. Detroit sign Pew Suter. I'm pretty sure I'd take him over. Uh, take him over Coyle any day of the week. So. Yeah, and they're going from David Krejci, who last year, 44 points in 51 games. He, he graded out excellently by wins above replacement. And you have Charlie Coyle, who, by that wins above replacement measure, he was in the second percentile, as in the second worst percentile. So that's a lot of, that's a major, major risk to have on your second line. Now, they are going to offset that a bit by having a full year of Taylor Hall, who is, at this point in his career, still an excellent first-line caliber player. And Craig Smith on that line as well. He he was really really good for them as a second line last year. But replacing replacing Krejci with Coyle is just, like we saw. How much did we talk about losing Tavares in the playoffs last year? They're they're doing that on on steroids and shark testosterone. Like going from John Tavares to Alex Kerfoot is much smaller gap than going from last year's David Krejci to Charlie Coyle. Absolutely. I mean those those wingers will absolutely do everything they can to insulate how bad Charlie Coyle is. And I fully expect the Boston Bruins to probably make a move and find an actual two center. I, I I just, I know that their coaches come out and said, Charlie Coyle is going to get a shot, which is hilarious. But I mean, if you are a really, really bad two centerman in the NHL, like there's not many better second line wingers in the league. So again, like that's a really nice second line. And then we move on to the Boston's first line. They, there's got to be a time when they are going to slow down. Marshawn and Bergeron Please. are not spring chickens. They are going to slow down at some point. I pray to God that this is the year. Do I expect it to be the year? No, because I, you know, I'm not a fool. But it's going to happen at some point. And if that does happen, that's when we're really, really going to, you know, put to test how good of wingers Taylor Hall and Craig Smith are. And it could really highlight how horrible Charlie Coyle is as a second line center. So, again. Question marks with the Boston Bruins. Their depth is okay, but I think with the Boston Bruins, even their depth on paper, it doesn't really matter because their coaching staff makes up for it. And you just see the Boston Bruins depth guys just always kind of playing above and beyond what they actually truly are because of how good their systems and stuff are. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough year for the Boston Bruins to, or for me to kind of grade the Boston Bruins because again, like, you look at it on paper, and if you just ignore the center ice position on that second line, you're like, oh, man, like that top six might be better than ours. And then you pop that center there, and you're like, okay, never mind. So, again, real toss-up, lots of question marks. I'm not going to bet on them slowing way down, but it could happen. Yeah, if you look at that first line, Patrice Bergeron last year, you think he's got a decline at age 36 by wins above replacement. He had his best season in the last four years. So, it probably wouldn't be smart to count on them going down. And this is the only line in hockey where I would definitively say that that first line is better than ours because we've seen it for how many years now. That line is just elite. David Pasternak isn't going anywhere. He's he's still – he's the same age as Willie Nylander. And then you got Brad Marchand. Again, he's, he's getting up there, you could say, but he looked as good as ever last year at age 30, 33. So, yeah, it's tough – you, you hope Father Time eventually wins, but he is losing handedly to those two right now. Um, so it's going to be tough. But again, even with that elite first line and with having David Krejci last year, they still finished behind where the Leafs were. They had 73 points to the Leafs 77. So I think to act like boss, sir, if we get to the playoffs, like you've said a few times throughout this, I'm not picking the Leafs definitively over any of these teams just because they have to prove it to me. 
But as far as regular seasons go, I am taking the Leafs over the Boston Bruins because on the back end, they're certainly not a picture of confidence as well. They have Charlie McAvoy, who honestly, if if Hedman continues to decline, I, I would probably have McAvoy as the best defenseman in this division. That's an elite first pair with him and Grizzly. I'm pretty sure McAvoy could drag me to being on an elite first pair. But you get beyond that. I mean, the next few defensemen are Derek Forbord and Mike Riley on the left side. And then you got Brandon Carlo and Connor Clifton, who, I don't know, I just, I'm taking the Leafs' bottom four defensemen over that for sure. Yeah, and again, we look at these depth charts and we spell this out. Like, I don't understand why people are so down on the Leafs' depth or the Leafs, you know, maybe bottom pair, even their defense core as a whole or their or their goaltending situation. Like, look at the rest of the teams in their division that people are so, so scared of. Should we be scared of them? Sure. But, like, the Leafs stack up very, very well against this division. Like, it, it's as simple as that. Like, on paper, the Leafs are better than the Boston Bruins. Their top six is better. Their defense core is better. Goaltending is probably a wash. Like, they're better than the Boston Bruins. You know, I, I think people need to, you know, maybe snap out of the playoff funk. I know it's difficult. I'm still as angry as anyone at, uh, you know, a certain two players. But uh, let's start, you know, looking a little more realistic at what the Leafs should do this year. Yeah, I think a lot of Leafs fans are just kind of going to ruin one of the better years of their fandom. Like, there's going to be a time 10, 15 years from now where we're looking back and, and we're, are we really going to want to look back and say we had 200-point players and we were pissed off at them all season. We didn't enjoy anything. Obviously, I'm not going to turn it in and say, oh, we're winning the cup now. But when Austin Matthews scores his 50th goal this year, I'm going to dance naked around the block. Sorry. Sue me for it. But, yeah, this this team, they just, as far as regular seasons go, they stack up with the best teams in the league. Now, on the topic of question marks, one question that will haunt me for eternity is how on God's green earth did we lose to the Montreal Canadiens last year? Because I know they made a cup final run, but I will die on the hill that that team was not that good. And in my opinion, they certainly got worse last year or this this offseason, sorry. And you look at them, They what have they always been known for? It's for being a really good five-on-five five team who didn't have very good high-end players, high-skill power play kind of guys. And I think they really, really lost that this year in losing um, Thomas Tatar, Philip Dano. And I think the, the subtraction of Shea Weber is, is going to hurt them as well. Yeah. Um, this is going to look like a whole big old basket of sour grapes. But to be honest, I fully expect Montreal to really suck next year. Now, like, like it just, just looking at their subtractions via additions, like there's no way this team is going to be better than they were last year, 5v5. Like Shea Weber for David Savard, that's a loss. Thomas Tatar for Mike Hoffman, that's a loss. Um, <laughs> Cedric, or sorry, uh, I guess it's Christian Dvorak for Philip Deneau, kind of. Like that's a loss. Um, big loss. Big, big loss. Ma- Matthew Perot is a decent kind of fourth line player, but fourth line players are not going to make a big enough impact for this Montreal Canadiens team 5v5 to have them kind of return to their glory days, if you will, of, uh, of last year of the magical cup run that shouldn't have happened, but whatever. Um, one 
you know, kind of credit maybe I'll give to this team is their power play. Like, I think they'll be better on the power play. Cole Caulfield coming in as a rookie is going to be good. Mike Hoffman's going to make a nice impact on the power play for them. So we'll take one of the worst power plays in the league last year and make it mediocre. Take one of the better 5v5 teams and make it mediocre. And what do you have? A very mediocre Montreal Canadiens team. That's exactly what it boils down to. I think they were 29th or dead last in the league at power play. And if you look at their even strength numbers, their numbers tailed off at the end when they were hurt, but they were 12th in high danger chances, second in Corsi 4. So they were piling pucks at the net, as we saw in our series, just pointless point shots. Um, and their expected goals were 10th. So they were a solid team at five on five, but they were just an abomination on, on the power play. And that is definitely going to, to improve. We know Mike Hoffman is a lead on the power play. Christian Dvorak, that's actually one of the few offensive areas he's been pretty good in his career so far too. And Thomas, losing Thomas Dano, Thomas Dano, Thomas Tatar and Philip Dano is not really hurting their power play too much. But yeah, there's, their biggest thing for them is, is Carey Price going to be playoff Carey Price? If if playoff Carey Price shows up and just drags that team like he did in the Leafs series, sure, they'll have a shot at the playoffs. But if he's anything close to what he's been over the last four regular seasons, I will easily say this team is missing the playoffs by a minimum of 10 points. Yeah, I think if Carey Price returns to regular season Carey Price, I think it's a very, very smart move to lottery protect that first-round pick from, uh, from Arizona because – I don't know, man. Like this team is stink, stink, stinky unless they get just goaltending out of his mind. And like my kind of theory on that is last year, Carey Price knew that was sort of his last kick at the can. I think, I think he knows injuries are catching up to his body. I think he felt that. And I think he just like basically killed himself to try and make a cup run and try and do something in Montreal. So I honestly, I fully expect and. You know what? If I'm wrong, maybe I have to eat it a bit, but I fully expect Carey Price to be like a sub 905 goaltender this year. And I mean, you have to tip your cap to the guy because he was outstanding for three rounds in the playoffs. Like we said it before the series, we could not like any goalie can get hot. We admitted it, but he was no more likely to get hot than Jack Campbell, than even Jake Allen. And he just, he made us look like fools, to be honest. He went berserk. Mm-hmm. But you look at last year's standings. You you think, oh wow, Sats is really saying the Montreal's going to miss by ten points. If if you look at the division standings last year, Boston would have been fourth in this division at seventy three points. Montreal had fifty nine points. They were <laughs> outplayed over the last forty five games of the season by the Senators. Like they were not a good team last year, and they got significantly worse. Like sure, if Caulfield really comes onto the scene and he's like basically prime Phil Kessel right away. And then Nick Suzuki becomes an elite first line center that could help. And that could be coupled with Carey price being really good to make the playoffs. But Christian Dvorak is not a good second line center. He's his career high is 38 points. And he got that playing with Taylor Hall and Connor Garland, two very good wingers. All the Montreal fans talk about is, Oh, he's going to look so good with some of our real wingers. Now, like you mean the wingers that have, shot pucks at the net and and had like the worst shooting percentage in the league for the past four years. I don't think so. Like I think, I think Dvorak is just a severely overrated by Habs fans at this point. Christian Dvorak is still riding that Memorial cup run where he had Mitch Marner and Matthew Kachuk on his wings to just absolutely make him look at, look like a stud in everyone's eyes. And yeah, like the, the biggest thing with this Montreal team too is like you say Nick Suzuki turning into elite center could happen. He's good. 
Um, and he definitely handled some tough minutes, but Philip Deneau is arguably the best shutdown center in the league. And now Montreal is losing him. So guess who's taking those tough minutes? It's you, Mr. Nick Suzuki. So you better get ready for it. You're going to be facing a steady, steady dose of all these top lines in this division. Like, Honestly, I could see Nick Suzuki's offensive numbers almost going down this year because he's handling those more like those tougher minutes. And he's probably going to get like you're not going to have Christian Dvorak in that shutdown role in my mind. I don't think so. The only real person I see getting those tough, tough minutes is, is Nick Suzuki. So who knows? And depending who who's on his line, like if you have a line of Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield as your as your first line with, I don't know, Gallagher or someone like that could like you can't have a rookie play in those minutes but who knows so like this Montreal Canadiens team like all these young promising guys like depending on their deployment like we could even see them not really take a big step step up this year and you know Nick Suzuki has already established himself as a is a good NHL player he could even be great um we'll kind of see in the next couple years but like this kind of environment walking into is Cole Caulfield like I know he kind of took the world by storm scoring a bunch of three three v three overtime goals um but like, I, I I don't know. Like Christian Dvorak isn't exactly like a play driving centerman to play with. If Nick Suzuki's getting the toughs, you don't want him there. Is he going to play third line minutes? No. So we could even see Cole Caulfield. Like he might feast on the power play, but I think we could see him even struggling five v five this year for the Montreal Canadiens too. So yeah, I I don't know. I again, it sounds like sour grapes, but I see this Montreal team going nowhere. I see them actually really really struggling, and I could even like be as bold as saying that they're probably going to finish closer to Ottawa than they are closer to whoever's fourth in this division. Oh, that's not even, yeah, that's, that's, that's about as hot a take as the two day old cup of tea I had the other day. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, they, they just, you have to give them some credit in that they are a deep team. Like if you're looking at their, their left wing depth, they have Hoffman drew into Foley, Lekin and like, that's solid third and fourth lines. That's one area where I think they do kind of stand out above the Leafs. Jake Evans is a as a third line center. It's it's okay. I mean, on the right wing they got Caulfield, Gallagher, Anderson, Armia. Again, Armia as a fourth liner. That's really that's really solid. So I'll give them credit there, but they just do not have enough high end talent to to scare me at all. And the the projections bear it out. They're actually projected to miss the playoffs with 88 points. They're projected to have 88 points while Boston in fourth is projected to have 99. So we're, n- this isn't even sour grapes on our part. It's just is what it is. And I, I think the, the Philip Dano, Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar line, we talked about it before our playoff round. That, that has been the best line in hockey by expected goals over the past three seasons. Like, and they weren't just doing it in terms of expected goals. Their actual goal differential was elite level. And you look at Philip Dano and people will say, oh, well, he only had four points in the playoffs. And then in the same breath, you'll go on and criticize Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Those two things are very, very related. Tom, or Philip Dano was playing the toughest minutes in the league and he was shutting guys down. He is and as elite defensively as they come. He does lack on the offensive end, but... He he scores a similar amount of points to what Christian Dvorak does while actually playing defense. Christian Dvorak is not a solid defensive player that can even be mentioned in the same breath as Dano. Yeah, and speaking of guys who definitely can't replace each other, looking at Montreal's defense, like the subtraction of Shea Weber, I think is going to be a lot bigger than maybe some people realize, especially when you're replacing him with David Savard. Like David Savard's a fine defenseman. 
But when you have to really rely on David Savard and, you know, he has to take some of Shea Weber's minutes on this Montreal team, especially when, if you're looking at it, I mean, he's probably going to play with Ben Sherratt, but like he could potentially be playing with like a rookie and Romanov. Like this Montreal defense is ugly. And, you know, Jeff Petrie has been one of the best defenders in the league for the last couple of years, but you know, he's old, a couple injuries, like who knows how he, uh, how he really, um, shapes up this season again like it's one of those question marks like a, a guy could just fall off a cliff could happen to a couple of Leafs guys but man do I think it's going to happen to you know Jeff Petrie before it's going to happen to a Jake Muzzin yeah and you just look at that defense and David Savard he for for what it's worth he's a very very good defensive player he's actually in the 94th percentile defensively but he's in the first percentile offensively by war they just don't have puck movers they have Jeff Petrie and that's it you got Savard's not moving the puck. Edmondson's not moving the puck. Ben Sherratt most definitely is not moving the puck. <laughs> like Romanov, maybe, but, and then like, I don't even know who their sixth defenseman is going to be. They signed Chris Weidman. Like he, he was playing for Nizhny Novograd torpedo last year. I mean, he got 41 points in 59 games, but if we've learned anything with Miko Lettinen, it's that the KHL doesn't mean shit. So yeah, these guys are I, – I just feel like these guys are going to get trapped in their own zone. Without those fortuitous playoff whistles, they're not going to be allowed to commit endless penalties to get the puck back. They're actually going to have to play real straight-up hockey, and that is going to lead for uh, to a very, very ugly season for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and I guess now moving on to the team that uh, the Montreal Canadiens are probably most likely to finish right beside in the standings, the uh, Ottawa Senators. Yeah, and finish beside each other they did last year. Ottawa was right behind Montreal. I know Montreal did end up making the playoffs, and they had uh, they finished eight points ahead of Ottawa. But you look at Ottawa the last 44 games of the year, after their horrific start, they went 21-19-4. So... 46 points in the last 44 games wasn't too bad. I feel a lot of people felt like if you extended the season by a month, they may have caught the Canadians. Um, now, do I think Ottawa's going to sniff the playoffs this year? No, not really. But it is, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this team does finish fifth in the division. Not out of the realm of possibility, but I will also say this about the Ottawa Senators. I think once, you know, TSN, Sportsnet, all these guys start doing their, um, preseason rankings or preseason predictions whatever i feel like this is the team that's going to get the most kind of overrated as to what i think they're going to finish as like that you know people are just going to be oh, way overhyping stutzel and kachuk and you know josh norris is one fantastic player but he's still only josh norris like they have some nice pieces like connor brown played out of his mind um but like I, I guarantee you we're going to see some analysts predicting that the Ottawa Senators make the playoffs. And you're like, oh, like why is that so crazy? Like their forwards look okay. And then you just scroll one little click down to their defense depth and you're like, oh, that's why. And also Matt Murray. But like their defense depth is putrid. Like stink, stink, stinky. Like makes Cody Cece on the Leafs first pair look like freaking prime Paul Coffey. Like it is stinky. I can smell it from here, and I'm in Spain right now, man. Like Nikita Zaitsev on your first pair? What? That's horrible. Thomas Shabbat, very, very nice piece. Uh, but you just look at their defense defense depth after after Shabbat. You got Zaitsev. You got Michael Delzato, who is horribly bad. 
You got Nick Holden on there. You got Eric Branstrom. Now, Art, Artem Zub, I I think he's okay. But if I just take a look at his numbers here, I mean, you're looking at – yeah, he was, he was a solid defenseman too. He was 86th percentile by war. So my – my hunch was correct. So I think they got two solid defensemen that can kind of anchor each of the, the first two pairs. But man, are those anchors heavy that they're dragging around. <laughs> and then there's the biggest anchor of them all, Matt Murray. Like, I think he was the worst goaltender in the NHL last year, if I'm not mistaken. And he's, you know, signed long term. I know their their backup goalie is, you know, a guy with some some nice promise. So maybe he takes, you know, the lion's share of the starts next year and they don't have that absolute, you know, atomic bomb in net in Mac Murray, but we'll see. <laughs> I, I, I still think this Ottawa Senators team will be will be the team that's going to get overrated the most. And again, like I don't see them being as you know maybe as bad as you know the other two teams in this division, but I do not see them being remotely good either. Yeah, you look at Matt Murray last year in 27 games, he had a negative 11 goals saved above average. So he cost his team 11 goals with that 893 sparkling save percentage that he had. Now you did mention Philip Gustafson, their young goalie prospect last year in nine games, he managed to post a 6.4 goals saved above average. So he was excellent with his 933 save percentage. But like we said, you can't rely on a rookie. So that will be, I will say the ultimate wild card for this team. If, Say Gus, Matt Murray even, you never know with goalies. Well, if he could just come out of the woodwork and have a really, really good year, say say Ottawa somehow gets 920 goaltending and Montreal gets what they had last year with like a 904, 905 kind of goalie, all of a sudden it's not that crazy that Ottawa finishes fifth and say that everything breaks absolutely right for them. I can't see a way in which they break into the top four in this division unless – you know, Bobrovsky really implodes or Patrice Bergeron does finally stop drinking from the fountain of youth. Mm. But maybe, maybe, maybe they're able to squeak into that Metropolitan Division wildcard spot just because the teams in that division, you know, Pittsburgh, Washington, Islanders, Rangers, they all have major, major flaws. And that that division is 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 one big wildcard. So I'd give Ottawa like the one in, you know, one in 15 shot that they go on that miracle season, like, Kind of like they did with, uh, what was his name, the Hamburglar when they kind of rocked it in with some no-name goalie and squeaked into the playoffs. But that's about the peak for this team, and that's kind of, that's okay for them. They're not trying to win now. Um, we did kind of see it too last year where they sucked at the start, but then once the pressure's off, you're, you know, you're 10 games under 500, nobody cares. That's when they started playing well. So it's not that hard to go from an absolutely terrible train wreck team like they were to being a respectable team like they were in the last half of the year. The real hard part is going from being like a, a respectable team to like a playoff caliber team to a contender. So they've got a long ways to go, but they do have some nice pieces. So here's I'd keep an eye on them. Now, speaking of teams that nobody will be keeping an eye on, Let's move on to the bottom two. I could go. I could go with either team left: Detroit or Buffalo. Who do you want to go with? I mean, I think we can both just be honest. Detroit, Buffalo, they suck. I think we just move on to our predictions for the division. <laughs> I like where your heads at, Lebda. We don't want to waste the people's time. I don't think anybody's coming here listening to see how Pew Suter is going to do on Detroit's second power play unit. So <laughs> I'll agree with you now. So. On to our predictions. 
let's go. Who who do you think is going to be first? And I'll tell you who I think is going to be first. Um. All right. I'm going to get a lot of crap for this, but I honestly think it's going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's a coin flip to me. I, I know we're drinking that blue Kool-Aid, but we said it throughout the year, man, or throughout the off season, even when we were at our lowest point that Kyle Dubas is going to look at this a lot more logically. He's going to look at it and say, I have two absolute super duper stars. I have two other very, very good forwards, a solid defense core. I'm not just going to trade Mitch Marner for the sake of it. Not like that's what we were saying he should exactly do, but we knew he wouldn't. He wouldn't do that. He'd look at it logically, and this is the reason why. This team is capable of finishing first. Now, for the sake of not being just a biased Homer podcast, I'd, I'd say it's more of a coin flip, and I'm just going to give that coin flip to Tampa just because I feel like I can rely on Vasilevsky to steal a lot of games. As long as Vasilevsky, Kucherov, and Point are healthy, I see that this team finishing first. So I'm assuming your second-place team – is my first place team and vice versa. Yeah, like uh, when I say the Leafs are going to finish first, I'm not saying by 10 points. I think them and Tampa are going to be within, you know, a point or two of each other. You said a coin flip. I I took the Leafs on the coin flip. I think we're going to have a pissed off Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner this year. I think they're going to get off to a really hot start. Hopefully they can keep it up. And I think they're going to take the division. Tampa Bay finishing second. I think in my mind, those are like the two class of the division. I know Florida and Boston had very good years. I think those teams have too many question marks. Um, for me to put them up in that Tampa Toronto echelon at this moment. Now, do I think they're going to be very far behind? No, but I think Tampa and Toronto are the first two for me. I'd have to agree. And I think that battle for first could really be huge because we talk about the questions that Florida and Boston do have. If one of those question marks really does rear its ugly head for one of those teams, that fourth place team could be looking like a sweet, sweet chicken dinner. I know Montreal did last year too. But if you can avoid that 2-3 matchup where you're getting one of Tampa Bay or Florida, that could be huge for the Leafs. So that'll be really interesting to watch down the line. Now, my third-place team, I go back and forth on this. I Part of me wants to go with the experience of the Boston Bruins. But that stinky center depth, like Charlie Coyle and Eric Halla as your two and three centers, when you're relying on your 36-year-old first-line center, that's just too much for me. Like, they're one Patrice Bergeron injury away from being on the brink of missing the playoffs. So I'm going to go with Florida for third. Yeah, I think I agree too. Um, you know, we, we've probably looked foolish in the past, maybe thinking that Patrice Bergeron's going to fall off. So maybe we'll look foolish again. I just see like the Florida Panthers questions in goal um, being a little bit less than, or maybe I shouldn't word it like that. I, I see Florida just being a stronger team. So their question marking goal, maybe we'll get, um, overcome a bit and like Bobrovsky wasn't very good last year and they overcame that. I know they had really good goaltending from Drieger, but they still finished very, very good. Um, whereas I see, you know, as things stand, I, I don't see Boston center depth being good enough to compete for top three in this division. Yeah. And you could say Florida's center depth is a little dicey with, I don't even know for sure they're going to go with a second line, but if things don't work out, I'm pretty sure Griffin or Sam Reinhardt could comfortably play that role for them. So they, yeah, I just feel a little bit more comfortable about them. As long as, as long as one of their two goalies doesn't fall on their face completely, they should be a pretty comfortable playoff team. So, which moves us to Boston. Let's just agree on both of them. We set our piece on them. We know they're, they're a pretty safe bet to finish fourth. Mm-hmm. Fifth place, Lebda. This could be a big question. Who do you got? Uh, I, I'll be boring. I think I have Montreal there. I think, um, 
I don't think I don't think I think there's going to be a big gap in between that fourth and fifth spot, but I do think Montreal finishes fifth. You said like if everything aligns for Ottawa, maybe they could make a run. I think everything would have to align for them to finish fifth. Um, but yeah, I see Ottawa and Montreal being being you know closer for fifth than Montreal and Boston for fourth. Absolutely, I see I see Montreal in fifth as well. Probably, like I said, barring catastrophic injuries for the top four teams, probably about ten points behind that role. The only way Montreal slides up is if Carey Price posts a nine twenty five all year. Yeah, they're just not that good. And honestly, Montreal finishing in fifth would be great because you mentioned it earlier. They lottery or they top 10 protected that pick. So to see Montreal finish with the 11th overall pick and have to give that up for, for Christian Dvorak. Oh, that would, that would ease about 1.7% of the sting of game seven last year. Now on to, uh, well, number six, we both have the senators. So let's go on to seven and eight. Who do you have in the, you know, the neck and neck battle for that first overall pick. Who's going to ruin their chances by getting seventh in the division? <laughs> uh, I think Detroit finishes seventh. I think Buffalo finishes last. Um, Jack Eichel has been traded. In my mind, I feel like he's going to get traded. But And if he doesn't get traded, I don't see him playing at the start of the season anyway. So, I don't know. I don't see I don't see Buffalo with having much hope to finish over the uh, – the, the Detroit Red Wings and I mean Detroit's a team with not much hope either so I don't know that, no, that bottom think, of the division is a garbage fire yeah I think the only way that uh, that Buffalo is able to kind of slide up to to that seventh or maybe even sixth spot if they get really lucky is if is if they can't find a deal for Eichel and they say look Jack you have to prove to teams that you're healthy enough to play so that we can trade you for the for the pieces we want so maybe, maybe he comes in, you know, in November and he's he's just playing like a house on fire till the trade deadline or, or maybe even till the offseason when they could find a fair deal. But I don't really see that happening. So, so yeah, I'd have to agree. So I think we align on everything except first and second. So to recap, Sats has Tampa Bay first. Lebda has has the the lovely Leafs in first place. Tampa and sec or Toronto in second for me, Tampa in second for you, then Florida, Boston, Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, and the lowly, lowly Buffalo Sabres. Yes, sir. It's gonna uh it's gonna be an interesting year. It's gonna be hopefully a fun year. Hopefully, you know, we don't have the pain that we had at the end of this year. Hopefully we can actually enjoy Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and John Tavares and William Nylander for the great players that they actually are. Hopefully we don't get any major injuries and we can, you know, kind of ride the season and finish in first place like I think we will. All right. Well, that about does it for today's episode of the Buds All Day podcast. We will be back a lot more frequently in the coming coming days and weeks here with training camp coming up and all that. So we look forward to uh, talking to you guys again soon. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Just remember, uh, follow us on Twitter. Keep up to date with all the podcasts up there. Share and like with all your friends. It means the world. As soon as the season gets going, we're going to, you know, start getting back to what we were doing during the playoffs and stuff like that. So, yeah, lots of exciting stuff coming here from the Buds All Day podcast. And, again, thanks, everyone, for listening. 